Welcome to Out of Hours, the fortnightly podcast featuring frank conversations about personal growth, business, and passions. Recorded over a drink or two, out of work hours. I'm your host, Maxon Jones, founder of Story94, a podcast and video production company based in Oxford. Today, I'm joined by Josh Cox, web developer and founder of Pristine Web Solutions, a creative web development agency. In this episode, Josh and I talk about the challenges you can expect when setting up your business, how to get your first client, how to work multiple roles, and how to manage cash flow. We share the mistakes we made with starting our businesses to help you avoid making the same. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a comment or review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. It'd be great to get your thoughts and feedback on today's episode. Josh, thank you very much for joining me on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Matt. How about you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the challenges that come with being a business owner. In my first email to you, I mentioned, let's talk about all the bad things about being a business owner, but I want to make sure this doesn't come across as us just venting about (laughs) things that aren't much fun um, when it comes to running a business, but more kind of positioning as these are the challenges that come with running a business and how have we managed them and how have we overcome them? Because I think there's there's a lot out there when it comes to, you know, learning how to run a business, but it still very much is you, you kind of do it and you just get thrown into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most people, they, they start from being a, whether you're a freelancer or it, it's a passion and then you kind of develop a, whether you, how you get a first few clients, they will cover that in the, in the episode, but how you get your first few clients, whether it's friends, family referrals or, or whatever it is, you're kind of thrown into the deep end. You're absolutely right. Yeah, exactly. So I think let's actually then go straight into it. So the first thing we're going to talk about is yeah, getting your your first clients because for a lot of people this is probably going to be not necessarily the scariest bit of starting a business, but probably the first bit where they start to get a bit of perhaps resistance or they feel like oh actually or perhaps like self doubt you know they think oh this is a great idea I've got I've got a great name I've got the website I've got the social media handles I've told my friends and family but how do I actually now go about getting my first clients and actually we should we should preface this before we get into this so we both run service based businesses so this is conversation is going to be tailored to more towards service-based businesses. Um, Some of these things might be transferable if you're kind of selling a product, um, but seeing as we both run service-based businesses, it just makes more sense for us to talk about that. So do you want to then share with me how you got your first clients? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, I really just got into it by, uh, I, I was freelancing for a couple of agencies. Um, and at the time as well, I was, I was freelancing for a company called the Oxfordshire Guardian. Unfortunately, they don't exist anymore. But freelancing for those companies, it, it made me actually, I had a bit of spare time where I was able to then pick up clients, again, whether it's through some friends and family that were giving me referrals. And I, I mean, I even did, I, I think back and it was quite brave of me, to be honest, not to kind of toot my own horn or anything, but I, I, I live in Digcot and I actually went down the, the high street of Digcot and just knocked on businesses' doors and said, hey, do you need a website? I'm a local web developer. And I was able to pick up a few businesses that way as well. Um, in the nicest way, they, they, you only learn this going through, but they weren't the 
type of clients that I, I kind of envisage long term of having because I, I, I think, you know, for them, it was more about bricks and mortar and the website was kind of supplementary. But it really just uh, allowed me to get a few clients on the books. And, and from there, it, it, it does spiral. As long as you're, you're doing a fantastic job, you are going to get recommendations, you are going to get referrals. And from there, you can just keep on building up your base. But that was pretty much it. So I was able for a good kind of six months while I was freelancing for, it was largely the Oxfordshire Guardian and a couple of uh, web development agencies on the side, I was able to build up my business. And then um, there was a bit of tragedy that, that struck that the Oxford, Oxford, uh, Oxfordshire Guardian did end up just, um, essentially the owner died quite um, quite suddenly and the business uh, just got liquidated soon after. So it was kind of out into the deep end really. It, it, it was really sad, but there was the silver lining because it, it was a kind of a, a sink or swim moment for me. So um, it, it did mean that that was it. I didn't have a safety net anymore and I was out there and it, it meant that I had to do. For me, I, yeah, I, I know there's, there's many ways to attract businesses, Social media is a very popular one at the minute. Obviously, having a website is a great way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to throw that one in there. Probably should have put that in before the social media. But, um, but you know, and with your website, you can do many things with blogging, look at organic traffic. And, and but then there's also, you know, there's, there's lots of other ways. But for me, I was really focusing on building up my website, building up the blog. That does take time. So it was also about going and actually kind of doing a bit of door-to-door -door sales, really, um, which is a bit bizarre for a web developer. Um, but, you know, there was, I would say there was probably a lot of or low-hanging fruit even because ultimately, yeah, not a lot of web developers did it. And, and all, the, all these shop fronts, they did need a website. And certainly when COVID struck, I know that was a, a few years down the line, it, it really benefited their business having a website in place. So... That's kind of, yeah, my sort of how I got into it in a nutshell. And as I said, the, the, the main how I get my business now is, is yeah, through my website. But then it, 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 there's still kind of the core offering is uh, the, the core way I get my clients is through referrals, which just come from doing a great job, which, you know, if you're starting up a business and you're passionate about what you're doing, I'm sure you're going to do a great job anyway. Yeah, and I think you touched on a really important thing there by saying, you know, you're, the first clients that you get are not going to be, you're not going to land your ideal client, you know, from the very start. Um, and it's just kind of putting in that groundwork because as now you said, you get referrals, that's how you get the bulk of your work. Referrals is how I get the bulk of my work as well. And I think for a lot of service-based businesses that deliver a really good, high-quality product, yeah, referrals is, is your main way of, of getting new clients in through the door. So similar to, to your story, when I was trying to get my first clients, when I first started, so I started in 2017 um, and I had zero experience in video production apart from some like family films that I shot and some photos that I took at uni. Um, actually, no, that's, that's a lie. I, I did do a travel film when I went to Thailand for my um, existential early 20s crisis. Um, but yeah, I didn't really have any experience working with clients. And so I got in touch. I just sent emails out to, I, I did some research and I found a hundred local businesses that I thought could benefit from uh, from a video. So I went on their website. They have one. Yes, no. Was it good? Yes, no. Um, and then got in touch with them. And I had in total just about, just over 10 people got back to me and said, you know, yes, that'll be great. Um, and then of that, 10 or 12, I think I ended up filming for about six or seven of them. And these were videos that were, were free of charge. This was just about getting the experience and getting, you know, some arguably kind of social proof, like these are videos that, that I've done and I got some reviews from them. And then 
from those um, those those clients, a couple of them then wanted second, third, fourth videos, and for those they paid for them, and that's how I got the first bit of money into the business. So uh, uh, it, it's that kind of catch twenty two of well, you need um, work like proof of work to to get clients, but then you need clients to get that work. So it's kind of which one do you start with? And I think your idea of knocking door to door is great. Um, and my idea of just doing kind of cold outreach online is, is another way to go about doing it. Um, because it, it, and, and if that does mean you kind of have to advertise and do it for free, I don't see a problem with that, it's, especially if you don't have any experience. I mean, if you've gone to university and you studied um, art and design or something, or, or you know, throughout your childhood you, you you're a painter or whatever then yeah you can you, you probably already have the experience there you probably can actually start charging from the get-go for your first commission but if you have zero experience i don't think there's anything wrong with with you know doing work for free at the very start i i absolutely agree i mean the, the first the first few websites i made were pretty much as good as free to be honest <laughs> <laughs> i mean i yeah i to, to without paying too much i mean they're they're, they're around 100 200 pounds which i i, I think you if, if you're getting a, a site professionally made you'd be hard pushed to find a site for one or 200 pounds yeah, you know so th i absolutely agree you need to kind of get that portfolio that 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 banker kind of case studies and also people that are then able to then recommend your business to yeah. their friends and colleagues their other shops on the high street or other businesses that they may know who they network with, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. exactly. And I think, so, so we obviously kind of went down the route of getting in touch with um, other businesses, but there's nothing to say that you can't just get in, you know, if that's too daunting for you, um, there's nothing wrong with getting in touch with your like local network, like your friends or your parents or friends of your parents, you know, if you're that kind of that age starting out, because We've met, I mentioned this in an earlier episode, the whole, like the first year of, of business um, can actually be, you know, one of the best because you, you kind of have nothing to lose. So you can be scrappy, you can be, you know, you just throw ideas out there and if it works great, if it doesn't, you haven't really lost much. Um, and people kind of want you to win. People want you to succeed. So people will, you know, be like, oh, I know this person, they've just, they've just started their own web design business. You know, they, they will get that message out there for you, um, which eventually will translate later down the line to clients doing a similar thing as well. They become advocates for your business in the same way that your friends and family might have been in that first year. But it's just putting yourself out there, which is challenging for a lot of people. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think, um, you know, maybe it's something we'll, we'll touch upon later, but it, it's, I, I think without being too stereotypical, I mean, I know we're, we're young, but I, I think certainly the, the younger generation coming through are more, again, stereotypical, more about social media and perhaps it is hiding behind a screen. But mm. saying that even with social media, there's ways to post and reach your friends and family. There's ways, ways to post and reach your friends. And, uh, you know, if they're on social media, they, they must know it sort of inside and out through and through. So they'll be able to find clients that way. I mean, we, we did it, um, you know, going to local networks that we, we belong to going actually in person, but obviously COVID's changed all that really. And there is a lot more online networking, a lot more stuff is done digitally. So yeah, again, you don't have to kind of pigeonhole yourself to to just being reaching out locally in person as well as what I'm, what I'm saying there. Yes. Yeah. And I think, would you say you're a natural entrepreneur? Like, did you ever envision when you were a, a kid or going through school or university that you would set up your own business? Um, I wouldn't say so. Yes and no. I, so before actually I, I set up Pristine, I had a couple of businesses 
they were never hugely successful. So I ran like uh, when I was at um, in kind of so when I was doing an apprenticeship in histology, which yeah. is a whole different ballpark. But uh, I, I was running a, a small sort of t-shirt printing business on the side. I kind I of always wanted to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to set up a t-shirt business. It, it's the classic, right? I haven't got a lot of money. What businesses can I do? <laughs> and um, I, I mean, yeah, it, it went really well to be honest. In you know. I, it made some, you know, some beer money, and it, it, I had a good few sort of repeat clients. It, the, the, well, the trouble with with t-shirt printing is that the, the repeat clients are few and far between because once someone's got a t-shirt printed, it's usually for an occasion, and then that occasion, whether it's a fortieth birthday or a stag do or, or whatever it is, is probably done. Maybe there's other occasions, but the repeat business is quite difficult. Um, so yeah, I mean, I had that while I, um, I did that for a couple of years while I was sort of, you know, had full-time jobs and bits and pieces doing on the side. I did actually launch uh, Olympic lifting magazine, funnily enough. It had two print editions and then a few digital versions then onwards. I, again, again, I kind of scrapped around. I, I, I'm a former, probably not what you could see from the, the camera if you're watching, but I'm a, I'm a former GB athlete. Um, That's crazy. Like, <laughs> not, not crazy in the sense that I'm not like, I wouldn't put you, but yeah, that's crazy. That's so cool. Cause I saw that on your, I think I saw it on your LinkedIn or your Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never asked you about it, but that is, that's so cool. Yeah. So it kind of, I, I was, I was looking for like, um, again, a, a little side business to do, um, and more just cause I, I really enjoy And it's how I kind of got into web design as well. Cause I really enjoyed setting up the, the website of the t-shirt printing business. I really enjoyed setting up the website of the, the, the magazine. But so yeah, that, I, I launched the magazine. I had a couple of, um, yeah, print editions, a few digital issues as well but then it, it kind of just tailed off I think you know it was hard to get advertising for the digital issues certainly um, it's very niche as well although I had all the experience of, of being a weightlifter and a coach and, and was able to kind of communicate that information the, the, the real bit that again we'll come on to late down the line is cash flow is that getting advertisers on board and it, it was just quite difficult but they certainly gave me a, a lot of um, a lot of experience when I launched Pristine but I wouldn't say I'm a natural born entrepreneur by any means just I've had a couple of little sort of side hustles as probably the best term to describe them yeah what I about yourself yeah so uh, I when I was it was when I was at uni so you know like Redbubble have you heard of Redbubble? No. Okay, it's um, like an online, so it's like you can like upload different designs and you can make the designs available for print on different things. So you could like have phone cases or posters okay. or, so it's, it's really cool like if you like Star Wars and you want like a Star Wars phone case, you can get one that someone's designed. Uh, maybe actually you can't do Star Wars, or maybe Disney can't do, but. <laughs> I um I made these like these mint like design these like minimal um Harry Potter posters. Nice. Um which was really it was a really fun thing because I went through a phase where I was really into graphic design, but I was never really that good. Um so to overcome that, I was just like, oh I'll just make them like minimal. So it's just like, you know, block shapes and nice colours mm. and um I'm like I sold some of those and made a a bit of money, but I think it was like never more than like a hundred pounds in total. I think I sold, I don't know, like 10, 20, something along those lines. Um, but that's very different to selling a business because that was just like, oh, I just did this little design, I uploaded it, and then I was like, Where'd you sell them? On Redbubble. Oh, okay. So it's yeah, like yeah, a marketplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah sorry. Cool. Yeah, I didn't explain it very well. So, yeah, so you, yeah, so it's, it's a marketplace. That's a much better way of um, cool, describing cool. it. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, that wasn't really setting up business because it's not like I had to 
get in touch with clients or do outbound or market research or anything like that. It was just like, I can do, I can, I can make these and I might be able to get some money for them. Um, I mean, that's still a business though. It is, it is still a business. You, yeah. you still made a product, put it out there and you, you got yes. sales and yeah, yeah, true. Maybe if you expanded the portfolio, I mean, maybe there's a, there's a business there. If you expand the portfolio, maybe. I don't know if Redbubble's still going, but <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's one of those ones you don't make much though, because they take such a, because they're the ones that actually do the work yeah. of making the, making the stuff. Um, but for me, saying the business was more of a necessity, it, I wasn't going to get hired i wasn't going to get a career in the industry because i had no experience um so it was like well if i want to to, to start i'm just going to have to find some people and film videos for them and, and hopefully they'll pay me eventually um and now you know if i wanted to to pivot slightly and actually decide to try and pursue a career working as a dp or whatever in hollywood then i could probably do that it might take me a few years but now i have that experience so for me it was just it was just a necessity i just had to do it but the, so how you got into it, it's such a great way i i think because you say necessity so it was a kind of again you had to to sink or swim you had no other yeah. way so you had that 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 push you know I, whether it was a necessary you know whether you're being pulled towards your next client it sounds like it was more of a push but you know you, you had a driving force to, to make you go out and actually get clients as well which you know if you just stayed at home staring at your four walls you know again kind of perfecting your website and not really yeah. doing too much perfecting the you know your instagram handle or whatever it is yeah, yeah, uh, you, yeah. you'd eventually starve <laughs> yeah i think eventually you just have to if if the reason why you're not you haven't seen business yet it's because you're just that fear of you know getting yourself out of your comfort zone getting in touch with people trying to to drum up work eventually you're just going to have to do it mm. or the business never is never going to go anywhere leading on from that then i suppose is is once you have that first client or first pool of clients um you, you you set up your business because you want to do something and then you find that once you actually have your business you only do a small amount of that thing you enjoyed doing and you end up doing a lot of lots of other things and this is what we're talking about the whole wearing many hats which is a figure <laughs> of speech that i really dislike but you basically so so for from in our cases so i do video production josh does web design but we also have to do our own marketing and our own sales and our own customer relations and our own finance and all these other things that come with running a business that a lot of a lot of the time people aren't trained in that before they decide to set up their business and a lot of it you just have to learn as you go you're absolutely right i mean and it goes back i slightly off topic but i think they should teach more of this stuff in schools you know the, the, the small businesses are kind of like the backbone of the uk and but when you you're absolutely right because you, you you launch into your business because you're passionate about it could be whether it's a service you're providing i said in our cases or um you know wh whether you've got an idea an ideal product that you want to launch that you're again that you're really passionate about but you, you you then suddenly you get your first customers and then you you're, you're the operations which is great because you tend to know how to do the deliverable side of it but yep. you also have to be the the marketeer you have to be the salesperson and then equally as well you have to be the the head of finance the head of it and you have the head of hr not that there's a huge amount of people to manage <laughs> but um if, if they taught it in schools great you'd have a bit of a footing but otherwise i mean for me it was just kind of learn as you go I mean, I'm quite lucky that my, my partner Bianca is, uh, is is an accountant, so I had a bit of a, a, a helping hand that way. I, and I, I mean, obviously, I, I was I contacted an accountant anyway early on to make sure that I was above board and I had 
Bianca's help, but you, you kind of, you, you learn these things as you go. And I think certainly when you start the business, you kind of want to take everything on um, because again, this is something that we'll discuss, but cash flow is a real thing. And you, you probably haven't got a huge amount of money, so you don't want to, you know, um, hire a, a, an HR consultant, or you don't want to hire a, a, an IT manager to make sure your setup is completely legit. Um, so you end up taking these things on your own, and you kind of, with the help of Google and YouTube, you 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 kind of work your way through, and then down the line, you end up uh, doing it the proper way of, of contacting these experts, like how people would contact us for when they want a, a professional video made or professional website design. So. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's any real shortcut than kind of just mucking in it and YouTube, Google, speaking to friends and families that you may know, or, you know, if, if your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, or, or, or whatever, you know, your partner is, is also of a profession that really helps. Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> and, and I guess the kind of the approach that we're taking to serve our businesses is the whole kind of bootstrapping. It's very much, it's your own money that you're putting forward. You're not taking external investment because if you're taking external investment, then you likely do have the cash at the start to maybe even hire people to do, to do these or to, to outsource certain stuff. So we're not really talking about that. We're more talking about the whole setting up business in your spare bedroom, off your own back, doing everything yourself. And yeah, unfortunately, there's not really a shortcut. You're going to have, you either pay in your own time or you pay money. And it's likely you don't have the money, so you're going to be paying in your own time. And you just have to be, you know, open to, to spending afternoons, evenings, researching, learning, making mistakes you're definitely going to be making mistakes yeah yeah you're right there's no kind of shortcut around it and i wish we could share some better advice other than <laughs> you just got to do it folks but you just do exactly yeah i mean again i'm sure you know matt when you start your business there are i mean i've, I've worked some long hours of my times but certainly now that i'm more established and now the, the business is more established i don't do evenings so much kind of they are a rarity and certainly weekends are rarities but i've certainly put in my fair share of evenings and weekend works and some long slogs just to uh just to get the you know get the work done and, and make sure that if there isn't anything you do know again probably about IT in our case probably not you know we're quite tech savvy but it could be about finance or, or something like that that you you do understand it before you are you know submitting your tax return or something like that so rather than paying an accountant for it then they could do it in an hour you're you're spending four five six hours doing it just because well it's the cash flow really yes yeah and and also I guess yeah you mentioned a good point there like we are very tech savvy because our jobs require us to be. But it could be that actually if you're a, you know, you're coming from the uh, uh, HR background and you're, you know, you're setting up your own HR consultancy or going freelance HR consultant or, you know, you're being a freelance financial accountant or something, your, yeah, your background is going to be different. And so the things you have to learn are going to be different. So for me, I had to learn how to build my own website you didn't have to learn how to build your own website. You just built your own website. I didn't have to learn how to make my own show reel. I, I knew how to do that. Yeah. So everyone is going to have to learn different skills. Um, but you do just, you have to, to, to learn a lot of, of them that you don't already know. And the, the, the breadth and depth of that is going to depend on your situation. Um, but yeah, ideally, you're going to try and get that cash into the business so that those tasks, which are too big and too daunting and arguably maybe too important to try and do yourself, such as, you know, tax returns, um, definitely try and find uh, an accountant that can do your 
your tax returns because that, that the thing for me like finances for me is what is what causes me the most amount of stress um just because i don't want to get told off hmrc i don't want to do things wrong um I don't want to get a massive bill for for making mistakes. So, yeah, getting getting an accountant was was great um, for me. And also Hazel, my fiance, she's an accountant as well. That's another similarity that we have. Um, and I guess this leads in really nicely to cash flow because you set up a business, you got your first clients, you realise there's a hell of a lot more more work you have to do than it is just delivering what it is you do for the clients, and then you're starting to manage cash, which suddenly adds a whole other element to the business, which can become very problematic, if not well managed. You're absolutely right. And I, I think there's, it certainly was the case with me, there's a very British thing inside us that we don't like to talk about money, when actually, once, you, once you've been in business, it, everything revolves around cash flow, or a lot revolves around cash flow, it allows you to do certain things, whether it's running ads, or, or buying new equipment, or delivering your service, delivering your product. But it's one thing that I, I really struggled with at the beginning was you know, asking to get paid. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, there's a vast majority of customers that, that pay on time and they're, they're fantastic. But there is always a portion that you need to chase and you need to follow up. And it can just, you know, sometimes it can be weeks, sometimes it can be even be months before you get paid. And if you're delivering a certainly a big project and these are some of your first customers, that can be a real big problem. Um, the, the one thing that in kind of retrospect, I would advise myself if I was starting out as having some really clear payment terms and payment conditions and being, again, it's, it's hard to say, be a bit tough and a bit forceful. Okay. Maybe the first time if a payment deadline is missed, send a, a nice friendly reminder, but then after that, it's okay. They're, they're taking the mickey really, you know, you've delivered a fantastic service. You agreed that the payment terms up front, having those payment terms, it's sort of crystal clear. Um, because otherwise it can put you in a bit of a world of hurt if if your if your customers are late on payments and certainly if it affects again when you're bootstrapping you're you know you you might not necessarily need a lot of money we just we had rent to pay and food bills but if we as long as that was covered then we were okay but you know you might have a mortgage you might have a family to to, to pay for and you need the money in to be able to cover those sorts of bills, which then it suddenly becomes a very more, you know, much more important. How did you find, uh, you know, cash flow in your early days? Yeah. So I think basically I, I kind of, I dropped out of my master's or I kind of stopped my master's and took a year out. And I basically gave myself a year to try and make the business successful. So I was very fortunate in that I was still living at home with parents. So I, I wasn't, you know, and I wasn't paying rent to them. Thank you, mum and dad. Um, so I didn't have any huge expenses. So I could, the business could be relatively lean and a lot of the money that the business made, I then just reinvested back into the business to buy better camera equipment or just actually buy some camera equipment. You know, I didn't have any lights <laughs> when I first started, so I bought lights. Um, so I was quite fortunate in that sense that I didn't have to worry too much about it. And I, that was just definitely product of the circ my circumstances and it's not going to be the same for everyone. Um, now it's a very different story. I have a mortgage that I need to pay. So yeah, you do need to be more kind of firm with, with payment. But at the start, what I would say to, to people starting out is just be, be confident in your price. People are going to try and take advantage of you. They're going to ask for discounts. They're going to try and get a deal. Um, 
but don't feel like you have to say yes to every single project that comes your way. If you get a bad feeling or you kind of start seeing some red flags, then you're probably better off not taking that work and the time that you would have spent on that project, using that time elsewhere on your marketing or social media or going out networking. Um, so just don't, when you start, it might just feel like the most important thing is to bring money into the business. And it is important to bring money into the business, but yeah, just, just kind of be smart about it, but definitely be confident with your price. Um, don't discount I would advise against it, mainly because if people are going to ask for a discount, just think of it from kind of their point of view. Like if you say, you know, it costs a thousand pounds to design a website, I know it costs a lot more than that, but let's say it costs a thousand pounds. If someone then their first response is, can you do it for 800? And you're there like, ah, I really need this piece of work. 800 pounds is better than nothing. And you say, okay, we can do it for 800. That person, to you, you like they probably think, oh, they're getting a great deal. But actually, they probably feel like, huh, I wonder why they were charging £1,000 for that. If anything, it leaves a bad taste in their mouth because they're not necessarily thinking they're getting a deal. They're actually just thinking, well, I almost got scammed out of £1,000. If you discount that quickly, if you negotiate and say, okay, well, we could, we could in, instead of having this, we could do this, that could bring the cost down into your, into your budget, then maybe. But negotiating is a very different story to discounting. Absolutely. I, I, I must admit, I very much dislike discounting insofar as, you know, even when we're going to buy a new car, I, I think if we're buying it, if you're buying from a private seller, that's one thing. I, I'm not much of a haggler at all. But if you're buying from a, 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 a recognised dealer, then we'll go in and we'll, we'll pay the asking price. I, and, and it's the same thing. I, if I'm if I'm quoting, it, it could be three grand, it could be five grand or ten grand for a website. I've carefully put together that quote and you know and, and allocated the hours to each part of what what puts that quote together. So I you know I haven't had to do it yet because again. It's sort of the, the types of business I'm working with now. They don't typically ask for discounts anymore. But I, I certainly, again, I was there in the beginning and people were asking for discounts and I made the mistake and I, I did discount on yeah, occasions. So but, you know, you, you kind of, you, you learn from these things. But nowadays, I mean, if someone did ask me for a discount, I would probably just turn around and say, and not that I've had to do it yet, but, and this is me just saying it, but I'd turn around and say, right, well, you tell me which bit of the website that you don't want and yeah, we can exactly. just knock that off. And I'll, I'll itemize out the quote for you and we can just draw a line through the bits and pieces that you don't want. Um, because it, it does devalue, you know, if they're asking for a discount as well, it devalues your time. I, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's the same thing when people ask you to just do this or, or just do that. It, it's adding in that just word that kind yeah. of just makes your time just... It's like it, it, it doesn't, I mean, I, I know sometimes it, it's perhaps the client not understanding the work that goes behind, whether it's creating a showreel, whether it's designing a website, whether it's w w whatever it is, it's not them perhaps fully understanding the, the time and effort that goes into behind it. But it, it's bits and pieces like that, that I think it can really knock your, your value proposition and, and the, the, the work that you deliver. So again, it goes back to your having, having confidence in, in the work that you're, you're um, doing and having confidence in the price that you're saying at it and sticking to that. That's not to say that you shouldn't look at your pricing every so often and um, not necessarily compare it against competitors. I'm not a huge you know, believer in that, but I think as long as it reflects what you feel is good value for money, that the client's getting good value for money, you're getting good value for your time and effort that's going into it. I know there's more as you go on and employ people, that's probably further down the line, but you know, you feel you're getting good value and good compensation for your time. Then, uh, yeah, I think everyone wins and the client's gonna, you're gonna be putting in 
you know, 100% of your time, you're, you're not going to be like, oh, God, it's, it's, you know, going back to your example about discounting it down to 800 pounds and thinking, oh, well, I really allocated about two weeks for this work. And I've got to kind of now budget now that two weeks worth of what I had, what I originally had a, a, would be a grand to now 800 pounds. And am I going to be able to afford to fill that time? No, I'll, I'll rush it into a week and a half. And then it ends up being a rush job. Yeah, exactly. And doesn't get the, the full expectation of all the, 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 the full um, service that you promised them and yeah. you end up disappointing the client. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point you make because I think if you, when you do discount, you then, you know, it, it almost is, it's a bad taste in both your mouths because you're then there like, well, I now feel like I'm not getting the full financial compensation for the work that I'm delivering. So whether it's a deliberate choice or, or a conscious decision or not, you're likely not going to prioritize that work over people which are then paying the full price, which means you're not going to give it the attention it needs. You might deliver a not subpar by the market standard, but subpar by your standard. And then the client might then be like, oh, actually, it's not quite what I was hoping it's going to be. And then suddenly you're in a position where you've got a client that's unhappy. It might require even more work. Um, which you then want to charge for, but they don't want to pay for, or worse comes to worse, someone that then, you know, leaves a bad review or, you know, so that's, those are like the negatives that come with, with discounting, but you just have, you just have to try and stand your ground and prevent doing that. But it is so much easier said than done when you're posed with, oh, I can have 800 pounds or I could have zero pounds. Obviously you're going to want to have the 800 pounds. But what one thing that I uh, I have done this in the past, is trying to flip the narrative. I, 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 it probably doesn't translate quite as well to web design, but I get um, clients coming forward and saying like, you know, uh, we want to do this video. Um, it's going to be a case study. In a couple months time, we want to film another case study. And then, you know, over the next two, three years, in total, we're going to film 12, 15 of these case studies. Is there any chance we could get a discount because we're going to be coming back to you with with loads more work? Um, and it's then the what I like to do is kind of flip that narrative the other way. And so my response to that is always, you know, seeing as this is a larger project, because the reality is if you're doing a massive project, like if I'm doing a video, if I'm doing 10 videos for a client, that will cost less than doing 10 individual projects for that client because a lot of the pre-production and the project management is all being bundled into one big project. Um, so what I say to them is like, yes, because we're going to be doing 12, 15 videos over a two, two, one year, two years, whatever it is, um, I can provide you a discount on the cost of the individual videos. But the way it's going to work is I'm going to charge you full price for the first video. For the second video, slightly cheaper. The third video, slightly cheaper. The full view, slightly cheaper. So the discount eventually aggregates and they get a discount at the very end mm. as a thank you for being a long-standing customer of one to two years, as opposed to someone new coming in and me giving them a discount as a way of trying to secure their that first piece of work with them. Because the problem is lots of people, if they, when they do do discounts, they're likely discounting new, new customers and they're not actually thanking their existing clients and long-standing customers by providing them discounts. That's a really clever way. I, I, I think that just comes under how you package your offering. And I absolutely agree. I mean, if you're working on, you know, for your example, multiple case study videos, um, you're absolutely right. You're not, you're, you've got the one client and there's essentially 10 videos and it's a lot more time effective than yeah one, one client 
you know, 10 clients of each one video. Mm. I, I think it just depends on probably your industry of how you can best package your offering. But that's yeah. a really good example, really good way how you offer that. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just it's just trying to kind of yeah re reposition it as I'm not giving you this discount because you're asking for it. I'm giving this discount because we're going to be doing a big piece of work together and that cost is going to be spread out over a year. Harder to do with web design where it's very much you have that initial cost at the start and then support, which is ongoing. It, it's something that could be applied to, you know, something it could be applied to photographers, graphic designers, where yeah. if you're if you've got long standing clients then you agree almost like a retainer that um, the, the, for that work, it, it decreases. So they pay the full rate up front and then it's slightly, as you say, stage yeah. decrease over time to a discounted rate at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is we're now kind of talking about payment terms, which is something as, as well that I think a lot of people can kind of um get wrong at, at the very start. So when you first started, what were your, how, how did you, what were your payment terms? They were awful is what they were. Um, they were hundred percent on completion. Yeah. Same. Which Bad. <laughs> don't do that. No, do not do that. Nowadays I do 50% upfront, 50% on completion, which I feel is, is just very fair. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got the, you know, you've got the buy-in from the client upfront and then you've got the onus on me to then, deliver that work. But yeah, I was doing 100% upfront. It meant that firstly, you know, as a company, as a, as a business, we weren't getting paid until right at the very end of the project, which for bigger clients could be, you know, could be several weeks, could be months. So you're going months without any sort of any sort of cash flow, any sort of uh, money coming into the business. Um, but also it means that a client can walk away. And I mean, you could try and pursue them if you've got some solid kind of terms and conditions, but then you go into, you know, small claims court or you're, you're speaking to a lawyer and is it worth the hassle? So yeah, I mean, hundred percent on completion wasn't a good example, but you learn from these, you know, you learn from these things and it is a very attractive, um, uh, it is a very attractive kind of marketing tactic or, or, or um, I don't know what you call it, kind of a, a sales tactic to say, look, you know, there's no money up front. You pay for, you know, when it's completed. And yeah. but yeah, it, I, I, I personally, yeah, it's not a good, not a good way forward. But although saying that there are ways that you can also, you know, um, 50% 50% completion is, is quite fair, but you can also, I mean, we give a guarantee to all of our clients, you know, we'll keep on developing your website until you're happy with the end result providing obviously it's still within the same brief and you know we're not going round and round in circles just yeah. can you change this button to orange can you change it to blue back to orange you know as long as there's clear progress but we, we put that guarantee in so that clients have got that that um that assurance that we're going to deliver it until they are happy with the end result no matter what you know again as, as long as it's in the scope of the project so yeah a long way around it but don't do the on completion because Yes, you would no. be in a world of hurt. <laughs> yeah, and, and I did the exact same thing. Yeah, it was it was uh, once the project was done and the client was happy, it was here's here's the invoice. But then you've also got as well potentially your payment terms. And again, I, my payment terms are, are really strict now, seven days, and I don't think it's changed from seven days to be oh, honest. Nice. Seven days. Yeah, I'm fourteen. Maybe I should cut it down to seven. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But you still got a certain. Certainly, when you're working with bigger clients, that they do maybe pay runs at the end of the month. Yeah. That they do it at the end of the month, and then you know sometimes they'll miss your pay run, or, or they could just be not paying you. So, but ultimately, so you're waiting till the end of the project. But then it could be another month. It could be two months. Yeah. 
yeah. it could even be longer before you're getting that payment. So yeah. Yeah, no. And yeah, so, so at the start I did 100% on completion. And I think a lot of that just stems from, as you were saying, at the very, very, very start of, of this conversation about money is, you know, we, we don't really like, in, in, in our personal lives, people don't like talking about money. Um, and I think when you then set up a business, you, you bring that, yeah, awkwardness around money into the business. When the reality is the world of business is very different and actually people do talk about money very openly and very confidently. And that's where you need to be really confident about about your price, as we were saying at the start. But I do think it, so, so for me, it just, I think it makes the client more assured when they pay a deposit. I Because th- personally, I'm more assured when I pay a deposit for something, I feel more confident because I'm now like, okay, this this is going ahead. This is going to be done because this is something that I need doing. If someone needs a website, they, they need a website. So they'll be more confident being like, I've paid them now. They're going to start working on this. Um, so for me, it's like once the, the contract is signed by the client, it's like, here you go. Here's the first invoice. Yeah. Payment in 14 days. Thank you very much. Um because I know that I feel more reassured when I pay that. And then at the end of the project, once it's all done and I've sent them the files, here's the final invoice. Thank you very much. And it's this whole idea of like a double handshake, the whole, you know, you feel good because you've been financially compensated a fair amount for the work you've put in. And the client is like, this was a lot of money to spend, but we've got an incredible product from this and we're very pleased with it. So everyone is happy at the end of the day. That's that's what you're striving towards. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, absolutely. And I, I, I think it just comes back to, as well, on a basic level, it, it's, yeah, I said it before, it, it's fairness, you know, and it's, yeah, they're getting they're they're putting in the that that trust in you as well. You know, they're they're putting in you know that assurance that they're going to get the job done. Because you're absolutely right. If it's a hundred percent on completion, okay, you can have your terms and conditions. You can have your your proposal that we're going to say it's going to be in six weeks. But there's no other than what you've signed. There's no kind of hard cash that's been exchanged at that point. And I guess in their eyes, that you could take longer. Not that you'd want to if you're starting up a business and you, yeah. you want to get that reputation. But um, yeah, I, I just think personally, it's just so fair that they're putting in that money up front for you to do the work and then you're getting the compensation on completion of, of the, the rest of the payment that, yeah. uh, that, that that's that's my take on it but i think I, I do like the whole double handshake idea as well though yeah and i think it's it's uh it's easier when you when you start becoming a larger business to to wrap your head around we need to be paid up front for for a certain proportion of it because we have cost as a business that we're going to be taking on to do this work. So it could be that you're having to hire, um, so you say, so for me, I might need to hire a VFX artist to do this one shot in the video. I I need that money from the client to, to pay them. Um, otherwise it's coming then out of our bank account. And that's when you start introducing, you know, severe cash flow issues. Um, so, so it, it makes more sense once you're once you're bigger. But when you're small, it is quite easy to kind of just fall into the trap of being like, "Oh, I'm not great talking about money." So, you know, are oh, you? It's going to cost this much. Oh, okay, great, great. And then you go away and do the work, and then at the very, very end, it's like, "Oh no, I've got to do the awkwardness. So I've got to send the invoice." I personally love sending invoices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you do. I think it's something that you you love sending them as you get older. Uh, get older. Get, get more into the business <laughs> yeah. because it, it, you you do realize that so much of the business is is does revolve around cash. But the other 
thing as well is, and again, I'd say have the confidence in when people are late, we're paying, chasing up with them. And, yeah. and don't, you know, don't be rude about it, but be firm, you know, mm -hmm. be, be firm because ultimately you've delivered the product, you've delivered the service, whatever it is. You expect to be compensated fairly for your for your time and effort that's gone into it. They've, they've been delivered the product. Now it's time for them to, yeah. to, to pay for it. And yeah, it, it's it's it, a contract is two ways. It's you're promising, um, you know, you're promising to deliver the whatever it is, and they're deliver they're promising to pay you and also deliver any sort of content or, or whatever else is needed. But they're, yeah. de they're they're promising to pay you on completion or, or whatever your terms are. Fifty percent upfront, fifty percent on completion. Um, so yeah, was was there an event? Was there a certain instance? where you got burned and you were like, yeah, I'm, ch I'm changing this. I'm getting 50% off front. There, there was, so um, it, it was a, a client and he, he I'm not going to drop any names, but he just went totally quiet on me. Yeah. So I, I did I did the project. It was probably about 80% done. And, and I had sort of feedback throughout of the development and really happy, looks great, perfect. It's just what we want. And then all of a sudden, nothing. I heard nothing for, you know, kind of weeks went by. I sent a few emails here and there just to kind of catch up. Cause I was like, this is a bit strange. We've been kind of back and forth, sent him a couple of emails, tried calling. I even sent him a, a Facebook message. Not that I really go on Facebook, but I logged on, went on Facebook, sent him a message. And, um, I, I, I did end up getting the money in the end, but it was a long slog just to go through and it was months and it, it was only something like maybe two, 300 pounds. It was right at the, you know, kind of right at the beginning thankfully that it kind of opened my eyes but i mean 200 pounds at the beginning or, or 300 pounds at the beginning did mean a lot for the time of effort that i put into it and i i just thought you know what i i had that it wasn't a formal contract which i've i've got now i would highly recommend having a formal signed contract formal signed proposal whatever it is but it was like an email agreement so there was something in writing but ultimately yeah that that made me uh really just look at my payment terms look at how I, 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 I structure my contracts and actually put in a formal contract, to be honest. <laughs> what about you? Have you had a, was there a big eye opener for you or? Yeah. So I, I had, um, uh, it was, it was actually, it was, it was COVID that kind of caused me to reflect and, and refine my, um, payment terms because so, so previously it was hundred percent on completion. Um, I did the filming, I did the editing, and then I sent the, um, films to the client to review, to get feedback. Um, because as per my contract, it was, um, the client gets two opportunities to, to provide feedback to two revisions. Uh, and then you get the finished video. If you want any more revisions after that, then it's, you know, then it's more money. Um, I didn't have any set um, deadlines in the contract. And the problem that I had was I sent them to the client to give feedback and they just never gave feedback because it was the pandemic and they just had other things to prioritize. And for me, I was like, this is a priority. Mm. But for them, it was, we've got X number of staff. We've got barely any money coming to the business. This is not a priority for us. Um, and so it meant that I wasn't paid for about four months, five months for that piece of work. Um, and that was slightly larger because mine was later on in, in my kind of journey. So I think it was for about 1,500, 2,000 pounds, something like that. So a relatively you know, large piece of work at that point in time. Um, 
and yeah, that was what then made me a change the payment terms so it's fifty percent upfront, um, and b start having deadlines uh, and, and kind of milestones in the contract. So it's like client will provide feedback by this date. I will then deliver the second cut by this date. Client then, you know, and it says in my terms and conditions that if the client doesn't give feedback by that date, then it moves on to the next stage. Yeah. And so it then just goes to their final opportunity to give feedback. And it sounds, you know, in 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 isolation, that might sound somewhat aggressive in, in terms of my terms, but it's just otherwise, if I'm not in control of how projects progress, then suddenly things can bottleneck and suddenly loads of clients could give feedback. You know, one client give feedback two months late, another one a month late, and then one on time. And suddenly I'm having to edit three large projects, you know, and that's just not sustainable. Um, so I need to be in somewhat control of those deadlines. I don't know if it's a similar thing for you, whether you have milestones that you hit with your client. Absolutely. So whenever I put together a, a formal proposal, I'll, I'll, I'll actually put together, you know, this is what's happening on week one. This is yeah. when I need content by week two or week three or, or whatever it is, but I'll go through and, and, and spell out, you know, I could give the approximate, um, you know, timeframe of a website development being two months, but then I'll spell out as week goes by, what I need by when, and if it obviously if it doesn't, um, if I don't get the the, the content, then I don't, unfortunately I don't have anything that I say unfortunately. I, I mean I don't have anything that that says oh you know we'll we'll push on because ultimately yeah. I need the content. It, I mean it's not it's not always but, as but, strict as that, and but, actually never have I've been there like that's it you don't get to give feedback, but it's just like kind of saying you know to the client like can you please give feedback by this date as we agreed, and that's usually enough. Exactly. And, and But what it does do as well is if a client misses that deadline, it, it does just give you the kind of the reassurance to say, well, actually, you know what, you've provided this, you know, the content, the feedback, whatever it is, you know, two weeks late. Well, I can't fit you in this week. So it's going yes. to have a, an impact on when you wanted this project to be delivered by. Yeah. So there's that whole, you know, so it, it, it's it's so that they know as well that manages their expectations. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I guess this is kind of moving on a little bit from cash and more just kind of like to scope creep, um, which we didn't really plan on talking about, but it is you know somewhat intrinsically tied to cash flow, um, especially when you are you know getting a certain proportion of the payment done on completion. Um, one, I, I mean, I've got a project on the moment where we filmed it last year, and it's still pending because we were film we were going to film the the second part of the video, uh, and then we we couldn't for various reasons. Um, and we've now got a date to, to do the second day of, of filming, you know, like a year, year and a half after that first initial day of filming. But I'm I'm not phased by it because, well, I was paid 50% upfront. I've been covered for that first, first day of production. Um, now we've got that second day in, great. Once the second day is done, I'll go into the edit, we'll get it done, signed off, and I'll invoice for final amount. So it just means that, yeah, you're, you're, you feel more comfortable. You're not kind of constantly worrying about like, you know, because if, if you're if you're entirely dependent on getting 100% after the project is done, and you're in a situation like me where I was just like, you're not in control of when the client gives you feedback. You can nudge them, you can chase them, but if they don't give it, they don't give it. Um, and, and nobody could have predicted, you know, COVID happening. And certainly, again, like yeah, I'm sure there are many of us small businesses, freelancers that were in a similar situation. Businesses just put the brakes on. They had staff to furlough. They had no cash coming in, and what, what you know, if, if you didn't have the, the correct sort of payment terms in place, then you, you, yeah, you were kind of 
stuck ultimately yeah just without any cash coming into the business and then it just has a knock-on effect you're you're you then can't pay your suppliers or or you know whoever else you need to pay or it could be a mortgage for instance yeah yeah and i think as as you you know progress in your business or depending on your situation at the very start you likely probably will have bigger expenses than than i had starting out or that you had um you know, now I've got a mortgage, you've got a child. So yeah, and a mortgage. And yeah. a mortgage. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, your situation is going to change and you're going to, you're going to need that, that money coming to the business. Exactly. I, I must admit, I, I, I was, I, I guess I'm quite fortunate as well. It's slightly how I packaged my business offering that I was able to provide a, a monthly service as well. So, um, it, it meant that uh, there's cash flow for me. And it's something that I would I, I would highly recommend if you can for your business is look at some sort of monthly offering. I mean, for, for web design and development, we also offer site maintenance and hosting, which were always core monthly offerings, just rolling monthly terms because we believe in the value of our service. Um, but it always meant that there's cash coming through. And we also, we did for, and we still do, it's kind of on the, a bit of the back burners, but we, we offered for a long time, uh, pay monthly websites. So again, there was that monthly off, you know, that, that it's more for clients that needed a new website, but couldn't necessarily afford the upfront payment and wanted to kind of pay as they earned from it, got the leads in, got the sales from their online shop, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, so having that monthly model just it really helped cash flow from my point of view. There's a bit of a hit up front because obviously for those projects, I wasn't billing as a project overall project cost. But, you know, I, it was kind of a phased approach. Again, I was, some clients were just wanting the upfront or the as a project and some wanted that monthly offering. So it meant that nowadays there's a healthy kind of consistent monthly income as well as project work coming in. So if you can do a monthly offering or kind of a, a kind of a SaaS software as a service, I'd highly recommend that. Yeah, like I, I'm really uh, attracted to this subscription model. Um, I think that's how a lot of businesses are going. And I think more businesses are going to be going towards that kind of subscription model um, for, for services using like, yeah, like a, a SaaS model. Um, it's what I do with, with my podcasting service. Um, and it's something I'm looking to, to try and work out how I can incorporate that into video production. So unfortunately, Josh, I think we're kind of coming up on time for this episode. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on Out of Hours. If people want to engage with you after this episode, uh, how can people get in touch with you and with Pristine? Uh, so, I mean, you can just Google us, Pristine Web Solutions. It, it's P-R-Y, the, the Pristine, the P-R-I was .co.uk domain was taken, unfortunately, <laughs> but P-R-Y-S-T-I-N-E, so, or just Pristine Web Solutions and you sh should find us. Uh, you can also hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, I am active on LinkedIn now. Um, um, yeah, ultimately, just give us a call, drop us a line, uh, DM me, um, whatever is, is what easiest. Is but uh, yeah. Brilliant. Well, all of those will be in the show notes below. So if you want to get in touch, then just head down there and have a look. Well, it's been, yeah, thank you very much for having me to the Out of Hours episode. I've, I've really enjoyed it, Matt. Thank you very much. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Out of Hours. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a comment or a review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or CastBox. It'd be great to get your thoughts and feedback on today's episode. Thanks, and I'll see you in the next one.